Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 483 for May 29th, 2019. On today's show, guitarist Nick Millivoy. If you'd like to help me keep making the Jazz Session for years to come, you can join today for just five bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. You'll get a monthly bonus episode, early access to every show, and more. If you're already a member, encourage your friends and your social media contacts to join because that is the best way to spread the word. Thanks very much. Speaking of social media, I started a new project this past week. Every weekday at 1 p.m. Eastern, I post a clip from an archival episode of The Jazz Session on Instagram.com slash The Jazz Session and Twitter.com slash Jazz Sesh. I'm also posting these clips on the show's new YouTube channel, which you'll find at thejazzsession.com slash YouTube. I started last week at show number one, and there are so many of these things that it's going to take me at least a couple years to get you know, close to the modern day. So if you're a recent discoverer of the jazz session, this could be a cool way to catch up on the past 12 years and see all of the people who've been on the show that you might have missed. Nick Millivoy's Desertion Trio has a new record called Twilight Time. It starts with a quintet track because the universe is unpredictable. Heavenly shades of excited to have guitarist Nick Millivoy on the show today. Uh, his band uh, has a great new album called Twilight Time. The band is Desertion Trio. And Nick, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for taking the time. Hey, thank you. It's great to be here. This, uh, I love this record because I feel like track to track, this record is basically saying to the listener, oh, you thought it was this? No, it's also this. Oh, you thought it was that? No, 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 it's also this too, which I totally love. You're always surprised at, the, at every new piece that starts playing, and uh, I, just, I just think it's brilliant. It's a, a really, really wonderful record. So I'm starting off with a complimentary oh, question, I guess. Well, well thank you. Thank you very much. This interview is going great. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's our show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Um, one of the things I I like about this record is uh, some records feel like, okay, we've got enough tunes, let's put out a record. And some records feel like we've got these particular tunes, let's put out a record. And this to me feels like, although you can correct me, that it's in the latter camp, that it's, it's very intentional, you know, that we're going to play... V- this stuff this way and make this statement right now. Uh, feel free to tell me that I'm completely wrong, but at least that's the feeling that I get from listening to it. As far as my own intent with it, you're totally right. This record, yeah, I mean, certainly like a certain degree of intention definitely goes into all of the records I've made. And, you know, I'm a pretty intentional person. 
with the way I, I deal with what kind of music I'm putting out and all that stuff. But yeah, at a certain point, it's, these are the songs that I've written and now we're ready to record them. But with this, this was a long time coming and it was about, I was very particular about having a personal relationship to all the music. Since it is all cover material, they were all chosen for very specific reasons, sort of like to uh, evoke different feelings and to, to speak to what you were saying before about them all sounding different from each other and feeling like, oh, it's this kind of record. Now it's this kind of record. That was super intentional. What I wanted to do was take these old songs and play them all in styles that were different than they were maybe originally intended or whatever. Not to say they had never been done in that sort of style or that approach before. And to make every song come at from a different angle. no justice in the world but if there were any the quintet version of twilight time would be a song we were talking about because everybody had heard it because it was an enormous radio hit in a world that had better radio <laughs> than, than our world has the the quintet version of twilight time on this thing is just it's a masterpiece and the the oh man the thing i love the most about it well not the i don't know if this is the thing i love the most one of the things i, I was thinking about when i was listening to this again today was if if this were playing at the beginning of a film over the scene of a murder, it would be just as appropriate as and possibly more than if it were playing in some sort of like, you know, lover's lane scene or, you know, some cute scene. It feels this feels way more, you know, David Lynch to me than anything else. And uh and I man, I just think it's brilliant. I did not know what to expect the first time I put this record on. And when this started, I, I thought, what? Wait a minute. Am I listening? I'm listening to the right record, right? And it started and I was just in love with it immediately for reasons I did not see coming. It's just absolutely brilliant, that that version. Wow. Well, thank you so much. I mean, Dave, you know, to speak for a second about the David Lynch thing, we were just on tour for this record and got to talking about this a little bit in the car there is a certain feeling that people get from 
specifically, I think, from doo-wop material, which Twilight Time is best known as a platter song that was originally done by the Three Sons as an instrumental song. It's popularized by the platters. And there is a certain context that was created by David Lynch for that sound that creates this sort of like darkness to that music that it's funny to like, I'm such a David Lynch fan and there's, there's actually like, there is a total David Lynch influence on this record specifically, but I don't think that's where my brain goes to first. I'm thinking of it from like a whole different perspective, but Johnny DeBozzi, the bass player in Desertion Trio was talking about like how, how dark these songs feel and how that's what, that's how he interprets and that's how he hears the music and about how it's like dark and could be the, the music for a murder scene. So I think it's like David Lynch sort of created this ability for us to like hear a whole spectrum of emotion when you hear this music and it can all be present. I mean, it is present there for me to some degree because I'm a David Lynch fan and because I'm a Twin Peaks fan. But it's like the first thing I'm thinking of is sort of, you know, is something else is like doo-wop culture from the 50s or something. I don't know if you're a fan of Twin Peaks, The Return. There is a song in Twin Peaks, The Return that appears twice. There's only one song that appears twice in the show. And that is My Prayer by The Platters, which was another big hit for them right on the same time. That happens in some totally dark scenes. And that's another song that uh, I really like to play. And that song, to me, I do think of that way. I do think of this uh, this really dark, this dark thing, but there's a diminished chord in there. The second chord's a diminished chord that's pretty dark sounding. Anyway, so I, I yeah, I think that that's, that's certainly a vibe that's present. The other thing I'll, I'll say, the other David Lynch connection with this record and my song choices is that Red River Valley, which appears on here, also appears in Twin Peaks The Return. From this valley they say You are going We shall miss your bright eyes And sweet smile For you take with you All of the sunshine That has brightened the way Then come sit by my side if you love me. Do not hasten to bid me adieu. Just remember the Red River Valley. And Red River Valley, I can't hear that song without immediately thinking of Tombstone, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. And Dana Delaney oh. sings Red River Valley in a bar uh, in the early in the film when she and Kurt Russell, who's playing Wyatt Earp, are are meeting. And that film is also very dark. And even though she's singing this, you know, fairly, you know, kind of major, happy, you know, it, it's almost, in some ways, it's... Uh, 
almost like an advertisement for the for the West, the way it's it's put in this film. There's so much dark undercurrent in the movie. Like, you know that everything's going to go bad. And there, uh-huh. I guess that's the juxtaposition. Like, Mike Baghetta was on this show not too long ago, and he, on his most recent album, um, also does a, a kind of torch song um, and, right. and often does those things in performance. And... There's, also a David Lynch related song. Absolutely. And there's um and in fact I uh just saw him play live with the drummer who plays in the band uh in Twin Peaks. Uh so it all right. it all wraps yeah. around Stephen Hodges. Stephen Hodges. Right? Yeah. But there's he was talking about this too. There there's some juxtaposition between the the happiness of the music and the darkness of the things that that get wrapped around it or maybe or nestled inside it. And I think about, like, there are a lot of artists, too. Like, I think Stevie Wonder is a great example of a person who also would write songs that if you just read the lyrics as a poem, oftentimes those songs are really dark. I mean, they're about, like, you know, the world is in real, real bad shape. And I'm not 100% sure how we're going to pull out of it. But then if you took the lyrics away and you just listen to the music, you're like, wow, this must be a song about, you know, puppies and and how great kids are and all that kind of stuff. And there's some beauty about that tension between... You know, let's take something that is kind of that was intended to be kind of inherently bright and happy and romantic, and let's find out where the darkness is inside it. I think that's just a really powerful juxtaposition, uh, musically and kind of artistically, to make. Yeah, absolutely. With this record, I wasn't trying to make a dark album. Really, if anything, I was trying to make a fun album. But, you know, we live in 2019 and we have different perspectives than we did in the past. And this is all music from the past. So we're bringing our own sort of ideas and uh, about what's going on in the world to it and what's going on musically and what could be said musically. And so I, I, I do think like there's a an idea of that, those sorts of feelings that obviously come with just playing music in a really open way in 2019 or something. You know, I just realized I should mention Another interesting David Lynch connection. I only know this because my friend, uh, great guitarist, Lucas Brody, told me about it, is that, so Twilight Time, like I said, is a platter song, and one of the original platter's name is David Lynch. No way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> Weirdly enough. And then he used the platter song in Twin Peaks to return. But that's, that's all credit to Lucas. He pointed that out. Wow, that's cool. And we're sure that David Lynch didn't come back from a past time as a member of the Platters. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. I wouldn't put that 100%. Different guys for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, will you talk about how this this trio came to be and then how this album came to be? In 2016, I released a record titled Desertion on uh, the label Shpuma. And that was the first record I did with this type of music in mind, which is really just where I was coming from then was I had been in the band Many Arms for a while before that. That was a trio with Johnny DeBasi on bass also, and then a different drummer. And that was more of a really open, super loud, super crazy thing, really like repetitive riff stuff and atonal sorts of weirdness. And I just, I wanted to write a set of music that was like inspired by all different stuff that had different perspective. I had been playing in this band, Chris Forsyth and the Solar Motel for a couple of years at that point. And uh, that's more of like a psychedelic rock thing. And I wanted to, you know, think about Neil Young and bands like Earth and stuff that was more like rootsy and rock based 
definitely some darker, the darker sides of Neil Young, for sure, like the Dead Man soundtrack and how to bring that into like an improvising jazz perspective. So I made this record that had Jamie Saft on organ and Jeff Smith on drums. And it, that was just an album project. But then when it came time, when the record came out and I wanted to play it, I asked my friend Kevin Shea to play drums. We had played together in a few things like in the past couple of years before that. And that's when the band, the band coalesced around that set of music, but really became a much different thing than that record is. Uh, that record's a really specific thing that isn't really the band per se, but is the beginning of the project. So then last year we released an album called Midtown Tilt. But that also has Jamie Saft on keys, um, but that is the trio. And by that point we've done a handful of tours, just Johnny and I with Kevin. And that was the first record with this project. But in there, while we would tour on tour, we would start to do like creative interpretations of covers. I really like playing all this fifties and sixties, like early rock and roll, doo-wop, surf music, all that kind of stuff. You know, we would get into that sort of those kinds of ideas, like surfy guitar stuff with just the stuff I was writing. But we, after Midtown Tilt came out, or after we recorded Midtown Tilt, but before it came out, we decided to do just a full set of just covers that we would like interpret in our style of playing. Let's take a break from the music for a minute to talk about membership. I've been recording conversations with jazz musicians since 2007. I think that's important work, and I think it deserves public support. I'd also like to be able to do it for my living. If you agree that the Jazz Session is worth supporting, become a member today for just $5 a month at thejazzsession.com join. You'll get a monthly bonus show, early access to every episode, and a yearly gift. Help me make this show for decades to come by becoming a member today at thejazzsession.com slash join. Now, back to the episode. Years and years ago, going to see Stephen Bernstein, and he was playing a bunch of James Bond music at that time. Like he had made an album of yeah, yeah, kind of cool reimaginings, it's of great record, Bond interstitial music. And and most of the show was not that. It was you know it was just kind of uh, more more free, more uh, you know kind of noisy blowing stuff. And then he would go into the James Bond theme, just uh-huh. at, you know random times. And when that happens. Uh, and I feel similarly about this record there. If you have something 
to grab onto. Like you say, okay, I know what that is. I think it helps to give at least me a perspective of how far from that I'm then going in the other music. So like I, most of these songs that are on this record, I know, you know, I've been, I'm 45 and, you know, I grew up with parents who grew up in this era and I've heard these songs on, you know, on oldies radio or other things for my entire life. Yeah. I mean, I know Twilight Time, you know, as well as any song I know. And so when yeah. I, or, you know, and the, sa- the same is true for uh, many of these other tunes, Sleep, Sleepwalk, Town Without Pity. I mean, those kinds of, I've heard those a million, million times. And so when you yeah. start with something where you have a pretty good grasp of what it is, quote unquote, supposed to be, for me, at least, it allows me to appreciate the journey of what it becomes even more, which is not to say that albums that are all original music, you can't have fun on those journeys, too. But it is a different kind of trip to take. Uh, and so absolutely I, yeah i really yeah. dig this for that reason yeah that's like a thing when you're interpreting your own music in a crazy way you know if you've, you wrote a song and you've recorded a song and then you start doing a crazy thing to it which is really like i said like that's how this band started um for anybody who knows kevin and kevin's drumming they know that kevin is totally like a singular voice on the drums that doesn't play like anybody else and nobody else plays like him so as soon as we started playing this music from from my desertion record, we were doing unique and new versions of the material. And that's like where this this idea sort of came from is just like we're doing it, but no nobody knows we're being creative about like how we're playing this material or, or that we've like completely refigured it to play it live, like rhythmically speaking or whatever, because you would only know that if you had heard the record and had some idea and that's okay people don't need to know that but yeah when you take a song like twilight time and you do it in a totally like new weird way everybody knows twilight time and that was the point with like the type of songs i picked i tried to do more or less half and half songs where everybody's known these these are totally in the popular consciousness whether you pay attention to like 50s music or not everybody's heard sleepwalk and then some songs that are like deeper cuts that are you know, you can go check out a million cover versions of, but it hasn't, maybe it hasn't really been covered for the last, whatever, 50 years or something. <laughs> like, I don't think that as far as I know, I've, I've, I've done some research on it, but as far as what I could find, the most recent cover of Busy Port that I could find was probably like 1960 or something. Yeah, it's funny. But, that uh, was the one I, I could was be totally wrong. Out. Somebody's gonna, yeah. <laughs> Somebody's gonna be like, nope, this band covered it. Yeah. is just like a song that probably never as far as i know got covered outside of like the exotica tradition so the idea of doing a surf rock version of it i don't know i'm calling it that i don't know if anybody else would call it that maybe it's not a surf rock version of that it's there's a couple measures where it's a surf rock version of that and then it you know in the middle of it you wouldn't necessarily notice it when it's been playing uh, being played on a vibraphone by martin denny but you know it kind of has this tequila riff moment and then, you know, we go and jam on it and play crazy improv on it for a couple minutes and then come back to uh, more or less to the tequila riff again. Like, I don't know that 
anybody else has ever dealt with that song in that way. And that's like, that's just what you're saying about messing with the ideas that people have about songs. But some of these songs, people will have ideas about them first. Some of them people could, could go do the research and then check out the material and where it came from. We've mentioned the trio, but there are more than three people on this record. Will you mention the other two? <laughs> yes. Yeah, the trio is is the heart of the thing. But on all of our records that we've made, it's not a trio. <laughs> and, you know, there's there's practical reasons for that. And there's just fun reasons for that. There are three tracks on here. Yeah, three tracks plus a bonus track when you when you download it that are just the trio and, you know, are more or less what we play live. We also sometimes have our friend Ron Stabinski, uh, who you may know from mostly other people do the killing with Kevin also. He sometimes plays with us live. Ron and I play duo together. It just made sense to have him play. I like having uh, keyboards play with the guitar and we're recording the studio with like really, really great keyboard gear and so we tried to get Ron to use as much of it as was possible. So that included like using a Mellotron and the really nice Wurlitzer and the Hammond and the Steinway. Oh, that's and cool. Ron's so all the stuff like, that sounds like vintage stuff is because it is. All the real stuff. stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. So that's like a real Mellotron on a here in the world. Part of the idea is to make this music open for people people to play with us and so when we do it live if we're playing with a band that's you know normally we're playing on a bill with people we know we'll we'll have people sit in on the tunes. that's the nice thing about playing cover tunes um of some of this stuff and then being relatively easy but also taking a really open approach to it is you can have people sit in and play with you and then the other person on the record is our friend Tara Middleton, who is probably best known as the lead singer from the Sun Ra Orchestra. Tara and I play together sometimes in some other groups. Tara is amazing. She's like such a force. And anybody who's seen the orchestra in the past, I don't know, five years or so, 10 years, probably 10 years, I kind of forget. I should know the answer to that, but when she joined the band. But she's the front person of the band. And uh, Marshall is the leader of the band, and she's the face of the band or, or something like that. I don't know. Um, but she is amazing. And I've wanted to do a set of music with her and it just made sense when playing this music. Some of these have really great lyrics and we just needed to have Tara there. <laughs> yeah. She's incredible. And you can definitely hear how comfortable she is without needing to have just a straight, you know, the Sun Ra thing is obvious because she doesn't need to just have like a straight pulse behind her or even the chords all changing at the same time or the time you would expect. And, you know, she, right, just, exactly. she just makes it work. Like the music is kind of like rolling and washing like a, you know, a, an ocean under her and she's just sailing her ship across it. <laughs> no matter what happens around her. And I don't mean as if she's ignoring the band, but I mean, she's, she's confident in where she is in the music, even if the music is finding creative ways to get to where she's going. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. She knows how to deal with any level of chaos to throw out at her from no chaos to complete chaos. <laughs> she can go right down the center of that and make it happen.
So when you play these songs live, uh, tell me about what happens to them. So, you know, the arrangements that you hear on the record are mostly the arrangements that we're playing live. But as far as what happens to those arrangements, we do take a really open approach to it. There are obviously like parts on there. There are, you know, the melodies and the chords and stuff, and there's some bass lines. But beyond that, we do tend to really open things up. So like the song Taboo on here, for example, there's some layers, there's some overdub keyboard on there, Tara's singing, there's live keyboard and overdub keyboard. And it's got this kind of like weird dub kind of vibe that's like pulling apart and sort of falling down the stairs a little bit. But live like that, we when it's just the three of us, especially, we can really just lean into the pulling apart idea and, and see how far that goes. That's sort of where we go with this stuff is just see see where we can take it, see how far we can go. And, you know, but mostly for the, just for the sake of it's fun. It, it makes it more exciting to play and hopefully to listen to. Like it's, these songs are, are mostly simple songs with pretty simple forms. So like the more we can get in there and pull them apart, I think the more fun we have and the more exciting it can be. Because of the nature of this music, the fact that it's, you know, covers and that it has a, you know, kind of a, I think it's fair to say, a, a, a rock feel to it. Do you find yourself playing yeah. these songs in different places than you might otherwise play with other groups? No, not necessarily. We're playing in all the same types of places and same venues that, we, you know, we've, we've been playing. And, you know, some of these songs, like, some of these songs we have been playing for a while. We've been playing, you know, the last couple of tours we've gone on. Like, Lullaby of the Leaves has worked it, its way into our set since before we recorded this album. I guess and Twilight Time, Twilight Time did also. Yeah, I I I guess the the more the point of my question which I didn't ask very well is that I could see this band being quite at home and welcomed by the patrons in places where an improvising band might not normally be because there is something to hang on to. Like if I, you know, I live in a college town and if I went out to a bar and heard this music being played, well, if I did, obviously I'd be ecstatic. But I mean, if I, you know, if I was the average person <laughs> going out to a bar, I think it would be fine to hear. That. I think there's enough, you know, between the the whole Twin Peaks oeuvre and the fact that people have heard a lot of these songs and the fact that it's played with instrumentation people can get their heads around. It feels like you could, it would be fun to like just pop into a bar on a Friday night and play a set of this music for people who did not come there to hear improvised music. And it feels like it would, it would crush anyway yeah i think um i think i would love to do that if you if you know a bar that will in state college that uh that you think you could convince to have us let's give it a try dude let's i totally know a bar that would have you in state college <laughs> i think that if you're I, not I joking like we're gonna that, make this show happen oh i'm totally not joking. <laughs> okay great because because you're right because it's like this is music that people know and yeah so for the most part okay the record came out april 26th so you know just under a month ago so we've done one tour since the record came out and it was all the the usual spots that we would regularly play um where we went so in that way it was, it was no no other spots but I, I think that they're just crazy versions of songs that people know like you said and people could wrap their heads around it i know that you know, for what it's worth, I know that my mom and her friends really like this. Stuff. That's what I'm talking about. If I sent this <laughs> so record like to my mom, totally, and my, dad, my mom's they would pretty open-minded. It. My mom 
my mom has, <laughs> likes a lot of stuff I do. But, uh, you know, we played this record release show in Philly that was, you know, probably, probably the best show. The best show this band has played, um, for sure. And uh, it was a huge show. And, you know, people coming up and talking to me afterwards that I didn't know um, had all sorts of different ideas about what it sounded like and what it was like. And um, there were definitely people there who weren't coming at this from a, from a like out jazz perspective, which I thought was really cool. Well, since we're talking about live performances of this music, are there some chances for folks to see either this band or other things that you're involved in coming up soon, Nick? Yeah, for sure. So the only thing that we have on the immediate horizon for this band is that we're playing in Brooklyn at a place called Ceremony on June 20th. That should be a really good show. Some really That's more of an experimental show, not not a sports bar where we're trying to uh, <laughs> surprise anybody. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's with a great guitar player named Andrew Smiley and his duo with the drummer Jason Nazri, and then uh, two really great guitar players, Sally Gates and Matt Hollander, on the bill. So that's like probably a, you could just think of that as a crazy guitar night. I was going to say, yeah, that's, that's a guitar lover's thing. dream that night. That totally is, yeah. So that's the next thing this band is doing. Like I said, we just got done a run of shows. But then some other stuff coming out. I have another project that I'm doing. So it's a, a project I'm doing where it's a book of 25 tunes that I wrote. The book is called Streets of Philadelphia. There, all the songs are named after weird, weirdly named streets in the city of Philadelphia, uh, which is my hometown. So I have a, two different trios playing that music, one in Philly on June 14th and one in New York at New Blue on June 15th. And then I had mentioned that Ron Stabinski, who plays keyboards on the record, uh, he and I have a duo that we do that is a similar type of thing to what is on this record. Though we do have a specific set of music that we play that is not the songs on this record, but it's really similar. There's some cover stuff in there, some stuff I wrote that sort of draws on, really draws on all the same influences. These like 50s and 60s, like weird surfy things, surfy stuff, exotica, loungy stuff, but then sort of creative versions of it. And uh, we have a couple shows coming up and one is in Philly on June 27th at a place called Boot and Saddle for our friends Hawk Tubley's record release show. And then another one is uh, June 3rd at a place in Brooklyn called Arate. Did Ron uh, kind of come to these projects already being into this kind of music or did he get into it as he started playing with you? I think Ron's into everything. (laughs) (laughs) Not literally, but if folks are familiar with Ron and what he does, he kind of does everything. It really seems like he's an endless resource of information about different styles of music and, and, and different stuff. So I sort of just assume he knows what we're talking about. And he, that seems to be the case. He seems to know all this music, but yeah, you know, Ron plays and mostly other people do the killing. And he also plays as like a classical accompanist and he also plays in the meat topics. So he has really got a wide, I mean, plenty of people have wide varieties of what they do, but Ron seems to be, extra wide as far as his activities <laughs> go and his expertise not just what he's doing but what he seems to be an expert in right that's the that's the trick right is is being able to do it all with a high level of fluency not just being able to fake your way through it yeah yeah exactly i just saw him play with the meat puppets two weeks ago and like he was just shredding rock and roll organ with them and and 
totally like really an unbelievable show. easiest way for folks to keep up with your performance calendar and what you're up to you know i have stuff on my website but i don't know if anybody looks at websites anymore <laughs> um that's that's nickmillavoy.blogspot.com but so we have a desertion trio facebook page which is just facebook.com slash desertion trio and then you know i'm a pretty um avid user of instagram so folks can find me there too fabulous Lots is, of guitar content if you follow me on Instagram. Yes, I enjoy following you on Instagram for just that reason. Oh. <laughs> You'll see a lot of photos of my guitars. <laughs> that's right. That's the, the your version of the cat photo. There's a lot of yeah, exactly. Of guitar well, one of my guitars also matches our album cover, so there's that too. Um, so you know, there's that needs to be reminded regularly. <laughs> I know that you are uh, headed across the ocean this summer, right? Yeah, uh, I'll be going over there with Mata Elliott's band Unspeakable Garbage to go play in San Sebastian. Have you played there before? No, I have not. I think that um, Mata has, I think uh, m- mostly other people do the killing has, but I have not played at this festival before. But I'm really looking forward to it. That's like, you know, I was talking about fun with these songs, just being like ideas about like, how to keep things fun and like what to do. And, you know, I think that that is, you know, for better or worse is kind of, can be a novel concept in improvised music. There's certainly a tradition of, of fun bands and, you know, mostly other do mostly other people do the killing um, is one of the most fun as far as that goes. But I think it's easy to get lost in more serious notions about improvising. And I do it. I still like plenty of serious improvising. But I think that the idea of like making sure there's like a healthy dose of like fun to the music can be really important when you're playing improvised music. So going there to play with Mappa, that band that we play, and I know you talked about it recently with him, Unspeakable Garbage, is also like really, truly one of the most fun things that I've ever done. That is a totally fun band. 
And if folks want to hear more about that and hear uh, the music itself, you can check out my interview with Mappa Elliott, which is in the archives at thejazzsession.com. And which occurred sometime, I was going to say it occurred a couple months ago, but I realize now that a couple months ago has become my shorthand for anything that occurred this season. So that any time between right. September and now is a couple months ago, <laughs> the way I think about the jazz session. And if uh, pressed, you know, that's a couple to save my own family, I could not make a list right now of who was on the show this season. That I just My memory is just, it's, it's out the window at this point, so I have no, I have no <laughs> idea. I know you're on the show because I'm talking to you right now. So that's right. that's as much as I'm willing to commit to at this exact moment. Uh, my guest on this episode has been Nick Millivoy. Uh, his new album with the Desertion Trio is called Twilight Time. It is it is really brilliant. You've been hearing it all throughout this episode. You absolutely should go get it. And actually, I would suggest uh, if you're one of the people who has those kind of friends who say I'm not into jazz, but think that jazz is only one kind of thing this might be a a good album to to sneak into your cd player the next time cd player that's hilarious as if you're going to play it on cd but anyway just (laughs) sneak onto your victrola the next time your friends are over and then uh, when they ask what it is you can say well you know this is this is improvised music right here so i'm just telling you sleep (laughs) the sleeper cell this is your assignment right now Get get a friend that you think doesn't like this kind of music to listen to desertion trio i think that's a good project and you know Book us at your favorite sports bar. Let's see how it goes. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I already, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to be emailing the owners of two uh, local establishments that I think would be perfect for this. Well, one of them recently had Nels Klein, so that's not a hard stretch. But the the uh, the other one that's actually... He recently like, played with us. Oh, that's right. Oh, it all yeah, comes yeah. together. This is perfect. All right, go. we're perfect. making this happen. All right, so anybody, I don't think there are many listeners to my show who live near me, but any of you who do, you're all going to be seeing Nick soon because we're making this happen if it kills me. So, uh, My guest awesome. has been Nick Millivoy. Uh, Nick, man, what a pleasure to have you on the show. I do hope you'll come back. It's this is really, a blast. Really a joy, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. This was, re- this was a lot of fun. And that's the show. If you like what you just heard, become a member for $5 a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. Thanks to this week's guest, Nick Millivoy. Thanks also to the Respect Sextet. For the theme music, you'll find them at respectsextet.com. Thanks to Dave Rabel for the logo. You can follow The Jazz Session on social media at facebook.com slash thejazzsession, Twitter at jazzsesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H, Instagram at thejazzsession, also on the new YouTube channel, thejazzsession.com slash YouTube. I post a clip from the archives each weekday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Instagram and Twitter, and eventually I also post them to the YouTube channel. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and it really does make a difference, so I hope you'll do that. You can subscribe to the newsletter at thejazzsession.com by clicking on the newsletter tab at the top. I put out a new show every Wednesday. Next week, if all goes as planned, my guest will be vocalist Claudia Acuna. Come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Bye. Bye. Bye.